Hey, he's Jake, and I'm Matt. And welcome to Pat's Chat, the UK's best New England Patriots podcast. How's it going? And welcome to another edition of Patch Chat. I'm Matt Inkster and joined as ever by Jake Paul. How's it going, Jake? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad, Matt. How are you? Uh, yeah, good. Um, well, since I last spoke to you, it was, um, I think, yeah, it was the, like, the humidity and things, but it was the flash floods and stuff we've had up here and then after I spoke to you it ended up being crazy sunshine in 23 degrees which is probably quite cool <laughs> for your neck of the woods right now it's probably what you would look for oh, than the, yeah <laughs> actually there's, there's a village not too far from me that gets the generally gets Scottish record temperatures because it's so inland and but it's like glorious. It'll get 30 degrees in the summer, but it'll also get like minus 10 in the winter. So oh, if you want sort of New England weather, I guess that's where you could move to. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> but um, this week's episode, we have a very special guest who is a major, major league player, I guess you would call it, in um, fancy football. So is fancy football something you're interested in yourself, Jake, or have you not? Done much of it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's been a, a long, hard road to mediocrity. Um, <laughs> yeah, I didn't have a clue what I was doing it a few years back, but slowly but surely got slightly better and um, gave a, a good a good hiding to everyone in my fantasy league last year, apart oh, from in nice. the final. So oh, um, no. that was a really depressing um, Sunday and then eventual Monday when I went back into the office. So, um, yeah. Oh dear well, well, <laughs> mine's is uh, yeah. I'm sort of the same. I'm I'm always learning, and um, it's been fun this past couple of seasons networking and speaking to guys on Twitter and such like. And our guest is one of the best people to speak to. Um, so yeah, without further ado, I think we should just get to the interview. Let's do it. So, guys, with me is another special guest. He is the author of the number one best-selling fantasy playbook series and creator of the revolutionary player evaluation tool, um, Relative Position Value, or the RPV for short. You'll find him on the Fancy Playbook, um, Fancy Black Book Show podcast, as well as SiriusXM, Fantasy Sports Radio, and the Sports Desk for CBS TV in New York, and many, many other places whether it's chatting MLB, WWE, and of course, he wouldn't be on here if he wasn't chatting NFL. And obviously, he has to be a New England Patriots fan. <laughs> it is the great and wonderful Joe Pisapia. How are you doing, man? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on the program today. I appreciate it. Uh, you're very welcome, and thanks for taking the time out. Um, just coming on um, dinner time for you, I'm guessing, is it? Well, for the senior citizens now, it's always only like four o'clock or so my time here. So we're good to go, man. It's uh, like I said, I'm, I'm excited uh, as we were talking before the show. It's great that it seems like the NFL is really starting to take off now in the UK and 
and the game of fantasy football as well. And uh, been selling a whole lot of fantasy black books the last couple of years. And, you know, it's probably thanks to Murph and some of the other guys at five yard rush, but also it's, it's just, you can tell that the market's starting to grow out there. And I think it's great uh, personally. And uh, you know, I've been out there, you know, a bit myself, I went to school out there for a little while. So um, you know, it's just very cool to see that kind of culture change is something I never thought I would see in my lifetime. So, uh, I'm, uh, I think it's great actually. It's a bummer. You couldn't get the MLB back again this year, but clearly, uh, and the NFL obviously is not going to be traveling yeah. there under these circumstances, but hopefully next year we can look ahead to that and hopefully things get back to a little bit better version of normal. Well, uh, fingers crossed, as they say. <laughs> yes, yeah, so fingers crossed. We're all in a state of flux just now. I think we don't know whether it's, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Saturday as we're recording this right now um was Wednesday we went into local lockdown again um here in Aberdeen oh boy so yeah so the um the first minister as our um head of power here in Scotland is she called a local lockdown so we can't um venture pretty much more than five mile radius from our house well I guess Um, we're just stuck talking football today yeah, so exactly. <laughs> so, but with that in mind as well, you can't talk football without a beer. So, I will crack one open. I hope you've got one in your hand too. Oh, um, I, if I knew, I would have gone. But that's no, all right. Ah. I'm good. Let's keep going. You drink for the both of us here. Cool. <laughs> uh, I could do that. Yeah, for sure. I could do it too, my friend. Let's head out to the pub. We should have just recorded it there. That would have been great. Ah. Oh, no, but that would have been so much better, more fun. Um, <laughs> but yeah, with the local lockdown, I can't go to the pub right now. So Yeah, I hear you, man. Um, so yeah, before we get into um, NFL and the Patriots chat, you know, a little bit about yourself and a bit of background. Um, for people who haven't seen your Twitter, um, you've got a brand new championship belt you're parading around the place. <laughs> I, you, you... I do indeed. I am the reigning defending uh Super Flex, Flex League Championship, which is uh, the league, the expert league that um, Jake Seeley from The Athletic runs. Jake's a good friend of mine. And, uh, yeah, so it just came, and it is, it is spectacular. It's definitely a product worth winning, and it's nice. You know, sometimes you do these expert leagues, and it's just kind of for pride. It's kind of cool to come away with a, a cool prop like a belt. So, uh, yeah, that's been very good. I've been uh, very busy doing uh, sports grid television over here in the States uh, I do a bunch of shows for them, uh, including hosting the uh, NFL pregame shows from the Meadowlands, which is where the Jets and Giants play here in New Jersey. Uh, so hopefully we'll be getting to that again sooner than later. We'll see. Otherwise, we'll be remote again, I guess. So, yeah, I've been very busy between the podcasts, between, you know, TV stuff at SportsGrid, and, of course, with the Fantasy Black Book. So busy is good, you know, in my world. Yeah, definitely. And when there's – in this world of no sports – um, and sadly, a lot of your colleagues probably don't have jobs at the minute. So for the busier you can be, the Absolutely. you know the better it is for you and the family, obviously. So um, the belt is obviously a wrestling belt that you have, and you're—I know you chat wrestling as well. Is that something that's been in you since you were a little little kid as well? As the, you know what it was, man. It, it was. I, I mean, I grew up. Uh, I grew up in New York, and um, you know, Madison Square Garden. You know, the uh, the famed storied uh, arena of MSG, and uh, yeah, wrestling was always a big thing with me. And then um, in my later years, uh, I was a professional actor for a while, and I became a, a stage combat instructor. So, you know, a fight choreographer. Uh, so I have great respect for okay. what these guys do, and I understand it a lot better than what other people do. And actually, my co-host on Diamond Bets. Uh, on sports career is actually Matt Stryker, former WWE star. Oh, so really? 
Yeah, so it's crazy. So, and he's just a great guy, man. We have so much fun talking baseball on that show. He's just a great dude and a, and a great professional. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I've always been into wrestling. We were wrestling in college. I went to college in Philadelphia, which is like, you know, heartland of wrestling in the States. Mm-hmm. Really, it's a great wrestling town. It was at the height of ECW at the time. I was at WrestleMania 15 with The Rock and Stone Cold. I was oh, in wow. the building when Triple H made his return that, you know, after being out all that time. So I've been in the building for a lot of cool stuff. And then it's funny, my kids, my two daughters, you know, on a lark a few years ago, I started showing them some stuff and, and they really got into it. And I explained how things work. And, you know, so they weren't like afraid. Anybody was really, you know, trying to kill each other kind of things. <laughs> and, and you know what? It's, it's held longer than anything else for them. And it's great because they're still kind of lukewarm on some sports stuff. My little one is the athlete, but even watch, like they're starting to watch football. They like football, baseball. They're kind of in between on. My little one plays basketball. But, you know, wrestling is that one thing every week we watch and, you know, we watch NXT and WWE stuff and, you know, which is the same. But, you know, like I watch all the different AEW. We watch, uh, you know, all kinds of different. Uh, I even watch a little New Japan. So when I do the In This Ring oh. podcast with my buddy Nate Bush, um, who is uh, from West Virginia, who calls some uh, wrestling shows down there. So, yeah, it's, it's good to have something that, you know, gives you a little break sometimes and it's sports entertainment so it's a little bit less to uh be concerned with that's like a little break from the action for me yeah sweet and am i right in saying matt is was in lucha yes he was one of the announcers in lucha underground with vampira yeah yeah sir yeah thought that was him um so it's great i've got a little daughter she's two and a half so she's not quite there yet a couple years couple of years you get there yeah if I, if I showed her the fiend i think she would absolutely like wet the bed or something yeah that's not a good idea no that's probably um, not the best idea but uh no yeah. I, I mean you know I, I gotta tell you you know the level of 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 performance now that these guys are doing is off the charts man especially the guys in nxc i think that that product specifically the adam coles and garganos of the world those guys were just you know taking things to a whole different level in some of those matches so it's uh you know i think it's tough right now without the crowd but everything's tough you know in that sense but mm-hmm. wrestling is one of those things that kind of just feed off the crowd a little bit so you know hopefully slowly but surely we start to work our way back uh and we'll, we'll see what happens but uh yeah man it's it's good to have you know some other things that you can drift because some days you get burnt out a little bit believe it or not every now and then you're like okay uh, i need a, i need a break good i got two hours of wrestling i could just enjoy that and not think about it too much yeah and of course the the world's crossed over a little bit with uh adam cole and mcafee oh god yeah the other day. what a hilarious you know i mean well that happened a couple of weeks ago i was like come on guys we all know this is a work right like this, yeah. is, this is definitely a work and of course now that he shows up on the show and punts him in the face i mean oh goodness you know but whatever i mean there's nothing left to do for adam cole so i mean geez at this point in time i guess we'll put him in a feud with pat mcafee but i mean it's time to move <laughs> him and the ue up for god's sakes all right yeah enough it is about time for sure, and it is about time we maybe veered back on the the NFL chat a little bit more. And but and specifically for yourself, uh, the fantasy. What what is it that drew you into fantasy? And I'm guessing it started a bit more paper and pen than what everyone yeah. deals with all the apps and things that you get now. <laughs> well, I'm not that old, though. I, you know, I'm a, I'm older, but I'm not that old. I'm just crossing the forty threshold, basically. So uh, you're just a, a few years older than me, then. Yeah, I'm a wee pup, baby. Uh, and I would say, um, you know, you know, I started playing in college baseball with some friends and, um, you know, it just kind of clicked for me. And then, you know, obviously in the fantasy football then, and that was, you know, a long time ago now. Uh, but yeah, it's just, it, it became the passion of, you know, the challenge of it. I like the competitive aspect of it. I like the community aspect of it. And, um, you know, I, 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 
had kind of just fallen into the industry, like I said, kind of transitioning from the acting world and, and then I, you know, doing some other things for a while. And then I decided, you know what, like this is working. And I was teaching at the same time and I started writing and I put out the first black book 10 years ago and I didn't think it would, you know, I just wanted to put it out there. I was tired of writing for other people. I just wanted to put out something for myself there because I thought relative position value was a very useful tool and it was what I was using and I had a lot of success with it. And I had no idea what it would become 10 years later or even, you know, that year uh, actually. And uh, it's grown into a full fledged business and it's grown, grown into that. I have people who write with me and contribute to the book. And I'm very grateful to have some great people like Mike Taglier and Chris Meany and Nate Hamilton and Adam Ronis. And you know, the list goes on and on there. And um, you know, it's, it's an amazing thing to think about. And you know, in the last 10 years between baseball, football, and, you know, we started to branch out a little bit in the last year or so with some other sports. We've done uh, 16 books now, uh, going to be next year in wow. uh, 10 years. So it's fantastic. And it's, it's a true testament. You know, it's been an independent publication. And even though I've worked for other places like Sirius in my life, I worked there for five years. I've been doing sports grid now for a couple of years. And it's it's always been the my baby kind of thing, you know, and, and it's always been an independent publication. And you know, like two years ago, we were ahead of Tom Brady's book, TB12, on Amazon in August for a couple of weeks. Uh, last year, we were ahead of Joe Namath's book. So it's crazy stuff, you know, and it's because it's works. And it's because, you know, RPV takes you a little bit further. It's not just about rankings. You know, everyone has these rankings and there's a lot of great informed analysts out there, but that's not mm-hmm. enough. You need quantified rankings. You need to understand where the drop off is. What's the fantasy league average? How do you use this and create a strategy around it so you know when to hit which players at what point in the draft and then how to evaluate trades? And the great thing about relative position value is it tells you which players move the needle, which don't. It tells you where the drop-off in tiers are. It shows you how deep a position really is. And then you can adapt it to different formats, to different scoring, uh, to you know everything. It's adaptable. It's applicable. It's easy to understand. And I think at the end of the day, it's very difficult nowadays to separate yourself from the herd because everybody's fed a lot of good information. But the problem is there's too much vanilla coverage in terms of strategy. So we do stuff like we have standalone chapters about this year, Superflex strategy, this year, PPR, this year, standard, this year, best ball. You know, that way we cover everything because mm-hmm. let's be honest, most people nowadays play in numerous styles and formats already. Yeah. So, uh, and we are so deep in dynasty and we have so many rookie things. Scott Bogman does an incredible job. We have 150 IDP profiles from Scott. Like, you know, we are, I always like to say like Lord of the Rings, we're like the one book to rule them all, but it's true. Like we're trying to be that thing that whatever draft you got that weekend, you can go to the book and you can, you know, get exactly what you need and feel confident that you can be ready for those drafts and then ready to manage the season as well. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's an amazing tool that you and your, your guys write and um there is there was the hiccup the other day of he who shall not be named but i'm yeah, glad that, you know what and these things happen you know, and you know what i think yeah. you, you know you, you see these things you move on and you hope that this person can you know you can you know do better by himself and by you know his children and be a better example uh, i think at this point but you know if you're going to represent other people's brands you have to take accountability for yourself yeah. i think you know more and you know I, I have i have great contributors i want them to be proud to have their name on a product with me and, you know, and I have female writers and female readers as well. And it's just a matter of just you have to have principles. And if you don't stand for something, then you don't stand for anything, you know? Yeah, exactly. And for anyone who wants to get into fantasy for writing or podcasting or anything to do with anything in the world of writing <laughs> and podcasting and such like, you know, something that somebody says they've got a dream, they've got an ambition. What is it? What are the takes that you would 
and advice that you would give to, and pass on to someone else? Well, in, in this specific industry, it's very difficult because, you know, and this goes for me too. I mean, I work for free for, you know, a lot of spots more than I'd like to, to, to pretend, you know, and, uh, you know, because so many people want to do it, they can, you know, afford to not pay you. Uh, the trick is to continuously keep grinding out, continuously find ways to produce really solid and unique content too, because everyone's kind of doing, there's a lot of cookie cutter stuff out there. So I think that's why people like the black book. And it's also a little bit more on the entertainment end of things. Like, you know, it's a, it's a show, you know, my podcast, like we're, you know, the, the shows that I host, we, we have fun. We do other things. You're, you're getting kind of sports entertainment with me. And that's, I think my particular brand. So you have to find what your particular niche is and you have to be relentless and realize that, you know, yeah, it sounds great, but people don't realize how much effort it takes to look effortless when you're doing these things. And um, it's, it's just, you know, I mean, I've been doing this for 10 plus years now. And last year was the first year I was completely full time without anything else. And that was, you know, a long time coming. And, um, you know, it's just shows you how difficult it can be. And, you know, and then obviously the climate in the, in the world right now makes it even more difficult. But, you know, I would say to anybody, you know, if you really think that you can do this and, and you really believe in what you're able to, to bring out there, then you just continuously grind and continuously grind. And most importantly, make good relationships with people because you can't do it alone. You need people to pull you along. You need people to put you on shows. You need people to, you know, get you that exposure, but also support you and, and find spots for you. And, you know, I've been able to, you know, hire people that I respect their work and pay them to contribute. I've been able to, you know, say to my friends, Hey, you know, I'm doing this podcast. They hired me to do a DFS show. I need a co-host come do this with me so I can get you a paycheck for six months and, and things like that. And, you know, when you make good impressions, then inevitably that kind of rolls itself over. So that's kind of a, that's the long short answer <laughs> for those who are trying to get into this. And it's not easy. There's, there's a lot of people, but the good news is the tech end is a lot easier than when I started. When we started doing podcasts like 10 plus years ago, it was not easy. You know, now forget it. Like now it's like everybody can, you know, you can just plug in there. You got all these, you know, amazing tools there at your, at your fingertips. So th there's no excuse. Now the, the excuse is, you know, what can you do that's better, different, unique, and, you know, kind of carve your own niche a little bit. Mm, I think so. I think that's great advice. And that's what we try to do with ours because at the time, um, believe it or not, for the amount of fans that you find of the New England Patriots, there wasn't an actual Patriots podcast based in the UK. So that's what I jumped in on and became the first to do so. So awesome. yeah, it's, it's great advice and um, anyone listening should take heed and you know run with it as best they can for mm -hmm. whatever it is they, they're passionate about. And with the climate that we're in, it's we can we can't do the show without speaking about it because it is just everywhere um, in the media and the news, etc. Um, I was quite intrigued by the draft this year, um, the way they'd done it. You know, the virtual screens and the way they had to build a war room virtually and such like. Was it something that you enjoyed, or you know, do you want it back to the old way as soon as possible? Yeah, well, definitely. I mean, the draft is a show. It's funny. My daughters watched the draft a little bit this year and they really enjoyed it. They're like, this is fun. <laughs> and you get like the timer and the picks and the things and they had no idea really what was going on or who the people were, but they enjoyed the spectacle. And I said, you like this spectacle. You ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> it's, you know, normal with all the lights and the suits and the whole thing. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this was certainly a weird draft. I think they did a great job of covering it. And I think, uh, you know, it's, it was, you know, unique and fun in that sense too. You got to see kind of like some of the homes and some of the people and some of the families and stuff. So, you know, there were some entertaining moments there. Um, it's tough because 
the great thing about the NFL draft is you get to watch someone's dream come true right there live on television, which is an amazing thing, but them not being able to kind of get up to the stage and have that moment that I know they've all dreamed of has got to be a little bittersweet. Yeah. It's great to be with your families and hug everybody, but at the same time, you don't get to get up on that stage and get that Jersey and walk up and put that hat on. And you know, that is a, that is a moment that's for sure. So it kind of sucks for those kids that they didn't get it this year. Yeah. I think, uh, Bill's dog has to be one of the stars of the draft this oh, year. Yeah. Bill, so. Bill's dog and Frable's <laughs> goofy kids, definitely the two, my two Yeah, I think so. <laughs> and what did you think about the Patriots draft specifically this year? Was it, were you pleased, happy, sad? <laughs> yeah, well, puzzled a little bit. You know, it's mm. funny, you know, they, they went completely off the board with Kyle Duggar. And, mm. um, you know, my guess is they could have had him later, but it's very difficult not to trust the brain trust and, and the process there mm. because they are so good. And, you know, there, there have been some great talents from small schools. I mean, look at Jerry Rice, for God's sake, you know, I mean, you can get some of the great players in NFL history who came from very small schools that people said who, and had no idea who they were. So obviously they see something in him and, and with the Patriots also see, it's not always about drafting talent. It's about drafting the talent that they like to utilize in specific ways because of the systems they run. And that's the one thing. It's like, this guy fits what we do, you know, and, and they'll, they've passed in years over some better talent because they're looking for the guys that they can plug into the system that they run. And um, I think Uche has some talent as well. I think, you know, when you look right now at this defense with all the opt-outs, there's definitely some concerns. I thought Winovich uh, played really well last year. And I thought that was a great pick last year because hmm. he is a definite like high motor player he definitely reminds me of us like a faster version of Ninkovich kind of thing like he could you know be that kind of guy who's just everywhere where he's supposed to be and um I, I think these kids basically and some of them are kids are going to get more opportunities here because when you don't have Dante Hightower and you don't have some of the other players that have already opted out here on the team that you know you're going to ask a lot of these kids sooner than later and you know Uche's down a little bit uh on the depth chart right now but I, I think there's some love for him I also understand um you know looking at what they did this past year taking the back-to-back -back tight ends which was interesting uh mm. Asi, I think you know has some potential we'll see as things progress I would not expect much from him this year rookie tight ends never really produce much and I know Dalton Keene they're talking about moving him into that fullback kind of position uh which is really important in that Patriots offense because they like to run out of that power eye and Devlin's been that guy for a decade now. And when Devlin got hurt last year, you could tell that offense was unable to run the football in the same way they used to. So they needed to fill that role. Devlin retired this offseason. So having a guy like that, I think if Dalton Keene can kind of grow into that role, that would be a, a big win for them in the offense and for running the football this year. Yeah, I think he, he could become someone um... – Keen that could become someone that's a bit of a Swiss Army knife almost in a way. Yeah, so, and they love those kind of guys. Like yeah. you know, you know, they, they especially around the goal line. They they historically find you know, all kinds of interesting ways to get guys involved. But you know that that you can basically circle on the calendar when Devlin went down and the Patriots, you know, basically falling off offensively and just kind of you know fizzling out and not being able to convert when they needed to. And you know, it's if they can't do if they can't run the way they wanted to run the football last year that's really what's made Brady successful is their ability to run play action, their ability to run the football when they wanted to, and then set that up and then free up Brady a little bit in terms of what he's going to see defensive look wise. And once that fell back, you could see a lot of timing was struggling. A lot of other things were struggling. And, you know, eventually you kind of had the season end on the notes that it did losing at home to the dolphins and then eventually losing at home again to the Titans, which was not yeah. great. 
No, not at all. <laughs> um, it's a friend of being monikered um, names uh, um, over the years, the Titans that, you know, they just can't get going in any stretch. And then all of a sudden they find themselves in a, a championship game. So at least, you know, from that, if you want to make a positive spin, you say, well, you got beat by the team that ended up in the championship game. Yeah. And look, you got beat by one year old guys and Mike Rabel too, who, yeah. you know, God love him. I love me some Mike Rabel. So, you know, yeah. it's he, he out Belichick, Belichick too, in that game, <laughs> you know, when, with that whole thing with the punt and just taking those, yeah. <laughs> taking those weird uh, you know, delay of games and stuff. And, you know, Belichick was getting furious at the sideline, but Hey, that's, you know, you, you teach these guys well enough and all of a sudden mm-hmm. they, they start to understand that there's ways to work around the rules also. Yeah, emulate and imitate the greats, I guess. Yeah, is, that's right. That's what they say. And I think they've written that rule out of um, the fourth I think they did this year. I think you're right, yeah. <laughs> I think they had no choice. And they go, right, he's figured it out. He's figured, oh, no, we can't have this every week. Let's just get rid of that one. Which is a good thing about the NFL, that they, they, you know, they change rules, they run with things, they try it, and if it doesn't work, they'll go back the way and, you know, keep trying to evolve the whole time. I think with our my primary sport over here, the um, European football, they, they, they're they so slow to react to these things. I mean, mm-hmm. how how long have we had um, the technology and the 50 cameras in a stadium that can pick out pass interference or something? Um, right. They've had all these technologies through Sky Sports or various other TV companies, and it's only the last like, two, three seasons that they've said right, we better actually start using this technology now. It's like, you're years out of date here, guys. No, no, you're right. You're absolutely right, man. And, um, yeah, so the actual, with Patriots fantasy, and um, you touched on it there with Brady and the running game and such, like, do you think that now changes completely? Well, it obviously does because Brady's gone south. But with Stidham and Newton, who do you see coming out on top and, how does that then change the dynamic of what they might be running well, through the Well, I, I would be shocked if it's not Newton. I mean, the guy's a former <laughs> MVP. He's only 31 years old. And look, I, I'm not the biggest Cam Newton fan. I have great respect for the talent. I do think on a one-year show-me deal with a bunch of incentives where he's trying to show the world and prove everybody wrong is the, is the best possible investment in Cam Newton you can make. And it's, look, I'm not going to kill Stidham there because, you know, actually before this all happened, I went back and looked at some of the Auburn tape of him. And, you know, you saw some good and some bad. And um, Hmm. I just didn't think they had enough weapons around him to support him to be successful. Now, when you had Cam Newton instead, uh, that changes the offense completely. So it's going to be fascinating to watch how Josh McDaniels um, is able to move this offense into a whole different kind of universe with Cam Newton, because he's never, I mean, you know, he had Tebow that one year, but like, you know, that's, you know, Tebow is not Cam Newton. Okay. You know, so it's going to be fascinating to see number one, how healthy Cam Newton is and motivated and focused because those have been questions in the past. And number two, what does that mean for this offense? What, what's it going to look like? I think they're still going to run the ball a ton and play good defense. I think that's still going to be their identity, but uh, I, you know, none of us know the answers, but I'll tell you this much. I, there's, there's no way that I wouldn't be considering, you know, Cam Newton as a second quarterback in fantasy and especially in the, in super flex formats. I think he's a really good value there. He's got some upside. I think he's still going to run the football a little bit, still going to you know run the end zone. And, and that's the thing. Like he can do things that Brady can't, he's never going to be the quarterback Tom Brady is, but you don't necessarily need that. You know, if you play good defense, run the football and make some plays, you could still win. And it's funny because if you go look on places like FanDuel, 
once they signed Cam Newton, they became the favorites over the Bills. So that tells you everything you need to know. Yeah, it's um, it's a weird one that, that all of a sudden one player can make such a difference to a fantasy outlook, a betting outlook, a fan's perspective even. Um, it's certainly an exciting time and I don't really buy into this, you know, Brady's gone and you know, you know, the interest in New England wanes and such like, personally speaking, that I don't buy into that at all. I think now it's more exciting than ever because it's, it's freshing things up and it's time to move on and see who can, you know, be the, not the next him, but the, the next best thing that are going to push the team on the next level again. And mm-hmm. I think it was, uh, I think it was Mark Schofield that I heard on either his own uh, Scho show or one of the other podcasts I was listening to. And it was quite an interesting comment he made about the mechanics of Newton and his shoulder and how it might affect him. So that's, one thing I'm looking out for this year to see how he he progresses with the shoulder and if it actually is healed and you know how how things. Well, yeah, that's the that. thing. I mean, that's that's the uh, that's the million dollar question: Is he healthy? Is he motivated? Is he focused? You know, because if you if you get that version of Cam Newton, that's an MVP caliber talent. There's not a lot of you know how many. <laughs> Even if he should hit all of his incentives, he's still going to make less than Teddy Bridgewater this year. So why yeah, wouldn't exactly. you take that kind of chance? And you know what? Those guys kind of played their hand. They were more quarterbacks than they were spots. And I give Belichick and the team a great credit there because they waited it out. And eventually Cam was the one who was left. And they went out there and they got Cam. And they got Cam for a lot less than everybody else. And when musical chairs stopped, all of a sudden, you know, there's some guys without a seat. And, uh, you know, it, luckily, I think of, of all the talent, Cam Newton's the best one. So we'll see. We'll see what happens here. We'll see what the idea is and uh, how that will affect the offense potentially in 2020. And I think you're right that, you know, uh, the Dalton thing was going around for a while and this and that, the next quarterback, whatever. And I I like Stidham. I think it's, as you say, um, some good, some bad, but generally, you know, it looks like there was some, there's something there that can be, you know, worked with at least. But. Right. You know, if you gave Stidham a premium running back and wide receiver to work with, I think he could, you know, he could be a, a guy that you could go to war with. Hmm. The the problem is I they don't have that. They don't no. have Saquon Barkley or, you know, Alvin Kamara or any of those guys or CMC. They don't have Michael Thomas or DeAndre Hopkins. They don't have that kind of player. So if you don't, then you have to get more out of the quarterback in terms of him making plays. And I don't think that's Stidham's strong suit necessarily. Hmm. And pinpointing into some of the, the Patriots players in terms of fantasy, um, we'll stick with the running game first. Mm-hmm. How do you see that playing out this year with James White, with Sonny Michelle, now on the pup list for a little while? Burkhead's obviously there. Um, Vitaly's decided to set not that he'd be much of a fantasy option anyway, obviously, but he might have affected things a little bit. How do you see the running game going this year, especially if Newton's number one? Yeah, well, look, James White's always going to be James White. In PPR, he's always going to be a useful flex guy for sure. So I would still have – I have no problems drafting James White. You know, he's not going to score a ton of touchdowns necessarily, but in terms of targets every week, in terms of touching the football, his role is his role. Rex Burkhead's going to have a couple moments. Like, he'll have a series or two every game. Um, I'm worried about Sony Michelle and I think everybody else should be too. Yeah. I understand this foot thing and they said it's a maintenance issue, but you know what? Guys had a lot of issues in college. He's having issues in the NFL too. Damian Harris is just a really good flyer right now. So I would rather pivot to, you know, I would pass on Sony Michelle 
and I would rather just take a, a light flyer on Damian Harris. And if I'm wrong, I cut him, you know, and then I move on to the, to the next guy and the next guy. But if I'm right, all of a sudden I got a guy who could be the guy at the goal line, a guy who could end up with that Sony Michelle role, which would be good for, you know, 15 and 65 or 15 and 70 and a little touchdown upside. And all of a sudden, especially in standard leagues, that's appealing. So I think that they are committed to running the football. There's no doubt about that in my mind. And Sony Michelle definitely to me is that one guy where I'm just afraid of. Uh, I'm not going to take him. He is falling far in drafts, which is tempting. And I understand that, but I think you could still take some other guys before him and then take Damian Harris late and kind of hedge your bets that way. Yeah, that's the way I've been looking at it uh, for sure. The, this year in drafts that I've been participating in, uh, I'm just not touching Michelle at all. I think he's he's injured a lot, as you say. He's got issues, and I, I just can't see him replicating his rookie season at all. I'm, I think he's probably done after this year, sadly, um, for him. Whether he, he's done in New England and he moves on, or he's just done full stop, I'm not sure. But I can't see him... Um, getting a prolonged career unfortunately that's uh, that's my take on it anyway yeah and, I, I agree with you Matt I'm, I'm with you and um with the, the flipping over the receivers then again we'll we'll stick with Newton being the the QB1 the number one is Jersey obviously and um Edelman I'm uh, he's obviously wide receiver one I think and um but he's dropping quite late in well, relatively late in terms of his talent. Why Why do you think that is? Oh, well, I'm sorry, was it Edelman you said? Yeah, well, yeah. Julian uh, Edelman, he's, he's looking like maybe eighth, ninth, Well, I, I think what everybody's recognizing is that the body's starting to wear down a little bit, you mm-hmm. know, and, and you know, this guy was, you know, not a wide receiver in college, but made that transition, and he has been a ferocious one ever since. He takes so much, so many hits, so much contact, He's had the ACL. He's had the shoulder issue. He's had concussions. He's had a lot of wear and tear over a short period of time. And now there is unknown because you don't know what the, you know, is it going to be Sanu or Nikhil Harry stepping in and becoming the guy who Newton feels more comfortable with? It's possible. It's unlikely, but it's possible. I think with Julian Edelman, you know, the days of 100 and, you know, plus catches and, <laughs> you know, uh, seven touchdowns and 1,200 yards are done. If you can get 85 catches out of him or 90 catches at the most, maybe, that'd be great. Um, I think there's just a ton of risk there that if you draft him, the chances of you getting 16 healthy games for Julian Edelman, I just don't think is a good investment. If you can get him as a wide receiver three in PPR, okay. Uh, but I would immediately back him up with somebody like a Christian Kirk or somebody else, you know, Deontay Johnson, somebody who, you know, think has a lot of upside that you can play because he's going to miss time. I think that's just something we have to come to grips with at this point. And we also don't know exactly how that's going to work out. Uh, Nikhil Harry certainly was, you know, he had one or two moments last year, but it was clear that he was not in sync with the offense. We'll see with this new offense, if he's got the ability to fix that in year two, I don't want to, you know, call a kid a bust in his rookie season because yeah. we've seen a lot of guys who don't look good the rookie year who come in and have great careers. I mean, Melvin Gordon, right? For one who was not good in his rookie year. And then he became a really <laughs> good fantasy player for many, many years. Um, and Sanu was working out like a fiend. He looks fantastic. Um, they made a commitment to him. You know, they made a deal to get him because he was controllable for a few years. And Sanu is a good hand in terms of wide receiver but he's not a game-changing wide receiver he's not a julio jones or any of these kind of guys so that's the problem is they don't have those kind of guys and they don't have that at tight end either so this is an offense that really cam newton is the star of so we'll see if it becomes the cam newton show maybe i mean you know cam newton was really really uh you know a star without a lot of talent around him 
You know, it was only the very end he got McCaffrey. You know, he was playing with guys like Stewart, and he was playing with guys like, you know, Kelvin Benjamin and guys like that. So it wasn't like he had a whole bunch of elite weapons in the past. So he can make those guys better. It's going to be fascinating to see. James White and Newton, I think, are the two safest investments. And then again, the return on investment in Harris, I think, is worth a flyer late in drafts for your benches and see what happens. But outside of that, I think I'm going to just pass on the wide receiving core for now and, and I because there's too many other good options out there in terms of supply and demand. Yeah, I think so. I think it was, it's been the same for the last couple of years for, for me that there isn't much to, to take. I want to take them because they're Patriots players and, you know, it makes a bit more fun when it's your team that's on your team in fantasy. But it's just the value is not there and I'm just not a big fan of a lot of them. And I think James White is consistently the one I've aimed for, really. And if I can pick up Edelman here and there, then yeah, Cam Newton now. Um, if I can, but generally somebody's nipped in before me and got him, unfortunately. Yeah, well, he's a big name still. Yeah. But I think the uncertainty of what is he without Brady, where is he at physically, they're all fair. All those questions are fair. So if you are going to take him, take him as a three in full point PPR uh, or even half point PPR, he, he's still a decent three. But make sure you're backing that up immediately. Don't don't let that – don't take solace like, oh, he's Julian Edelman. I got him at a great value because – you're just going to need more bodies throughout the season. There's a, there's a good chance at some point he misses time or isn't right for a week and you feel, you know, don't feel great or has another concussion. And, and it's sad because I love Jules. Jules is one of my favorite players. Uh, the guy is just an absolute animal. And yeah. a guy as small as he is who plays the way he does is just – it's great. It's so much fun to watch. He's one of my favorite guys. But I also have to be realistic as a fantasy analyst and, and you know, say at this point there is some risk there. And I think he would tell you the same thing. I mean – uh, the what he's put his body through in the last five years is is crazy. So hopefully yeah. he's you know I love to see him have a healthy ga- season. That'd be fantastic. But in terms of fantasy, I want to win, so I want to make sure if I do take him, <laughs> I'm backing it up right away. Yeah, for sure. And overall, with fantasy, um, who is there? Is there any go-to guys that you have this year, or are you? More, uh, you know, I'll see who's with the RPV format, obviously. Oh, sure. You mean like just in the league? Yeah. In terms of like great investment guys right now, um, in terms of where they are in ADP, I think Kareem Hunt is a fantastic investment. He's going to get a ton of work. You saw even last year. Yes, Chubb's still there. I get that. But if you're in PPR leagues, he is a brilliant flex running back. Uh, He's going to have, I mean, he's basically, you know, in the last few weeks when he came back was basically pacing along with Chubb in terms of fantasy points because mm-hmm. Chubb was getting touchdowns and rushing yards and he was getting receptions and receiving yards. So if that holds true with a better, you know, coach in here with Stefanski, then that's another guy. I think Calvin Ridley is ready to make that next step into that wide receiver one territory. You saw a really good trend ending the season for him. Sanu's gone, Hooper's gone, you know, and, and when those guys were either hurt or moving on last year, you saw Ridley really start to pick things up and this will be his third year in the league. And uh, he's going to see a lot of single coverage because of Julio Jones. And um, you last year, my guy was Godwin who was going to go from like number two to number one this year. It's Ridley. So he's that guy. Then all my drafts I'd be taking. So those are definitely two guys. I think, um, you know, with the quarterback position, you know, you, a lot of things you can do here. It depends on the format you're playing in, in the single quarterback league, I would be aggressive for that secondary tier. If you want to get Mahomes or Lamar Jackson, you want to pay that, you can make it work, but you have to be somebody who really has a great depth and knowledge of the board and understanding ADP and understanding positions and being able to pull some late round values uh, because you will will be behind a little bit and need a running back or wide receiver. 
Um, but I think there's that Dak Prescott, uh, Matt Ryan grouping that I think is very solid in Superflex. Cam's viable as a secondary quarterback, Daniel Jones. Um, there's a bunch of guys out there this year, and there's a lot of older quarterbacks returning. Ben Roethlisberger, Stafford was really good last year before he got hurt. So, you know, you know, Breeze, Brady, Rodgers, like these, the old guard is kind of, you know, still hanging around there, but they're more low-end ones, high-end twos. Um, and at the running back position, you're seeing some, some guys who are, I think, undervalued now to a fault. I'm not the biggest Leonard Fournette fan, but you know what? He's in one final year of the deal. My guess is they'll run him into the ground and he's going to run himself into the ground to get paid. Um, him and Le'Veon Bell, who the Jets are terrible, but Le'Veon Bell is the best weapon they've got. And I think he will play better than he did last year because the offense will be slightly better than it was last year, just with Darnold back there for an entire season, hopefully. So there's some guys that are like kind of dropping so far that you almost take a shot. And on the receiving side, Juju Smith-Schuster last year was a guy who was getting drafted as a, you know, right in the end of the first, beginning of the second round. He's all the way at like the fourth round now. I would definitely mm-hmm. still take another shot on Juju. I like Deontay Johnson there. And I like the value of A.J. Green, who's really fallen off quite a bit too. He's fallen into that low-end wide receiver two category. And I think that's a guy that could still have wide receiver one games for you. So those, that's kind of some, ga- some guys on the board this year that I think you know, are good returns on investment that you should keep an eye on. Well, I'll, I'll um, double check what drafts <laughs> I still have to go and go out and go and uh, listen back to this. And um, well, or you just go, go get the black book, and then you don't have to yeah, do so much. Exactly. Work. It's so much easier. <laughs> you go to Amazon, uh, Amazon UK. And you go, you get your black book, and boom, you're done. And I actually, just did an update this weekend too. So, unlike a lot of other stuff out there, you know, we have the ability to you know update the paperback. So if you get it this week, it's got. You know, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, you know, updated RPV. It's got Cam Newton with the Patriots. It's got the Darius Geis thing I just updated this morning. So, hmm. you know, so it, that's the thing. It's like if, if you're going to roll with us, you're going to have the most up-to-date piece that you could possibly have. Yeah, it's always good when um, that is a possibility because otherwise, you know, even if you're buying... Especially this so, year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> a lot of moving parts, man. Yep. And uh, if you've got, you know, the, if you're buying a book now a publication that it was probably written in april may and it's way way out of date as you say especially this year of all years with yeah uh, well the blend that's the that's the beauty of the control that i have with the black book and you know and and then you know if you already purchased it then you can do the cheat sheets for like an extra five bucks and you're you're always going to get up-to-date cheat sheets whenever there's something that you know moves the needle so to speak i just did i always do a monthly update and then now as we get closer there'll be more updates so i just sent out another update today when i uploaded the new book today on amazon so uh you know it's it's that's what turns people off they say ah the content isn't fresh but ours is you know, our RPV is up to date. You're going to have the best stuff you can have going into your drafts. But most importantly, you're going to have real, actual, tangible strategy and approach as opposed to just informed opinion. We got a lot of that too, but you need more than that to be successful. <laughs> and um, dipping away from fantasy, just then back to maybe the a sort of fan perspective, if you will, Joe. Um, we mentioned earlier about the Bills where number one Newton comes in, Patriots take over as the one for the division. Who do you see come out and talk between the two? Or I'm not, I would say the four, but there's well, no look, I still the think the, I well, forget the Jets and the and the <laughs> all. I do think the two is going to play eight games this year. I really do. I, I'm I'm in the you know minority here in that, but that guy is such a beast and he is going to basically he's such a competitor. I think he's going to compete his himself and his way into more games earlier than people realize. 
Um, so they're going to be plucky and annoying. I think the Jets roster is not very good. Um, so it really is the Bills and the Patriots, and I think it's going to come down to, you know, basically how they play each other. Um, that Bills defense is ferocious, especially that secondary. It's so good, and now that Tredavious White is going to play, that's a, you know, huge addition. I know he was on the fence earlier. And keep in yeah. mind, you're still going to have opt-outs. Like, just because this deadline came and passed, there are going to be some more guys as things go on at will. So, you know, we're not out of the woods yet. We're just in that – we're just over the first hump. I think that's what you have to keep in mind. I would still put my money on Bill Belichick. Um, Josh Allen is still, you know, has some warts at the quarterback position. Um, and, you know, it's crazy. I'm not, like I said, I'm not the biggest Cam Newton guy. However, I just think he's, look, he's playing with a chip on his shoulder. And, and knowing what I know about that guy, it just feels like he is going to find a way to get this team relevant. And he is going to be a, a, a story guy. Now, I don't know if I want to make a long-term investment in him, <laughs> but for this year, I think they can eke out uh, first place. Um, I don't think they're a Super Bowl team, especially losing some of the pieces like Hightower already on defense to start the year has not been good. Hmm. So where do you realistically see them um, finishing the season? I, I, think they're, I think they're a 10-win team potentially. I, hmm. think, I think they're right around there. And I think 10 wins is good enough for this division. I think you can win this division with 10 because uh, I think they will beat up on each other a little bit. So that would be my guess. The so 10 wins, maybe 11 if everything broke really well for them. Um, but I think 10 wins, they'll play good defense. They'll run the football. Cam will make some plays. And at the end, Belichick and the staff will find ways to outplay some other teams. And I don't think he's happy with everything. And, and I think Belichick sees this as a, as a challenge too. And he hasn't had one like this in a long time of, well, what is he without Tom Brady now? Well, you know, he won when he was with the, the Browns. He got them to the playoffs. Barcells never won anything without him. You know, he went to the Super Bowl with the Patriots when he was on, that roster uh, as an assistant coach. And he was the defensive coordinator for the Giants for the other Super Bowls that Parcells won. So it's wherever Belichick goes, they win. But this is another, you know, new chapter for him and a new challenge for him. And I wish it Brady all the breath. I mean, nobody loves Brady more than me. So, you know, I think it was time. And I think two years ago he thought it was time. And the organization said, let's roll, let's roll the dice one more time, see if we can get one more championship. They rolled the dice and they did. It was incredible yeah. to go into Kansas City shut out Mahomes for a half. And you had to do that just to even get to overtime. That's how damn good he is. Yeah. And, you know, and they went in there and they handled a team that I knew that they were going to outcoach for minute one and they were going to be more prepared then. And at the end of the day, it was worth the roll of the dice. But now, eventually, at some point in time, you have to turn the page. We saw it with Peyton Manning. We saw it with, you know, uh, Shawnee Unitas. We see it with, uh, you know, Tom Brady. And we'll see it with Joe Montana and everybody else. We've seen it before. These guys, you know, they don't always finish their career in that place where they are most famous. But I think it's good that the Patriots finally realize it's time to look forward because, you know, otherwise you're just kind of treading water a little bit. And that's not the Patriot way. The Patriot way is always getting rid of guys before they hit their expiration date and always paying guys for what they're going to do, not for what they did. And it's difficult as a fan sometimes, but it's what's kept them in the last 20 years in this era of the salary cap so incredibly relevant, so incredibly good, and basically as dominant as any organization you'll ever see in sports. Yeah, I think you're right. And it's one of the things that the, you know, the the play one year pay deals really frustrate me because you get someone, um, you know, as you say, like Fournette, could run himself in the ground, get paid, and then what are you paying him for? Because it's right. not there anymore. He's gone. He's That's it. That was his best year. But, um, behind him so I, 
yeah, the Belichick, I always, from a, my perspective, um, anyway, it's Sir Alex Ferguson, the Manchester United coach for years, manager for years. I always liken the two of them because um, Sir Alex Ferguson was always the same. He could get rid of players. Sometimes he'll hold his hands up and say, look, I got rid of him too early or I shouldn't have done or whatever. But generally speaking, he's got rid of players, brought new ones in and freshened the team up. And that's how they were successful for 20 years um, pretty much as well. So it's... Um, it's hard. It's hard as a fan yeah. too. You see some of your favorite guys go and that's... yeah. You know, it's it's tough, but, you know, it's been the right decision, whether it was Seymour, whether it was Dion Branch, whether it was Vinatieri. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. Yeah. And you know what? It's just, it's as hard as it is, you know, Rabel was another one of those guys that moved on to KC. It's, you, you look back on it and you realize this is, this is the way we win. We continuously stay, you know, with a, a good team for right now instead of a team that was good a couple of years ago. Yeah, and I think most relevant example is probably Stephen Guskowski as well. He's obviously the mainstay kicker for years, and now they've he's out the door. And they've got, yeah, he was bad the last two years, man. You, you, yeah. It's kind of sad to see the deterioration there, but yeah. it was time to turn the page with that too. Yeah, definitely. And just before we finish up, Joe, I just want to go through some of your your memories um, <laughs> of the Patriots, whether it's you know fantasy related with um, a running back or Tom Brady winning you a championship or in reverse <laughs> that you know the, yeah, the sure. defenders come in and you know the a great cornerback player whatever that stopped your opponents wide receiver and um, yeah look uh, you know i i lost super bowls as a patriots fan before i won them you know so i'm the anomaly there i still got the blood so jersey hanging up in the closet so i can always prove that i'm not a bandwagon guy uh <laughs> but I, i'll say this you know i lived through the parcells era and then i lived through the p carroll era and now the belichick era and we're we're blessed everybody trust me to have Belichick as long as we've had him. And, um, you know, for me, great Patriot memories are, you know, definitely I, I got to go to uh, the Sunday night football game the year we had the almost perfect season in Buffalo. I got to watch them play. Uh, it was like 20 below. It was amazing. I wore every piece of clothing I had, but to watch them in person there was so much fun. And luckily no one lit me on fire and put me through a table uh, from Bill's <laughs> Mafia. So that was good. Um, and you know what? My favorite one of all the Super Bowl victories and all the things uh, was is definitely the Atlanta game. I mean, that to me is the greatest comeback in sports history. I've never seen anything like that. To do it on that, on that level on that stage, just unbelievable. And I remember, you know, I had people over to watch the game. I was watching my kid, my daughters were there, and you know, they were all, you know, wearing their Brady jerseys and cheering, you know, mm-hmm. you know, trying to get into it. And, and when he threw that pick six, you know, I told her, I said, "Listen, honey, you know, from a, knowing what I know as a football analyst, I, I know that when you throw that pick six in a game like this at this juncture in the game, that this game is typically over. I said, mm-hmm. look, it's halftime. You watch Lady Gaga. You have some snacks. You know, it's okay. <laughs> and then, you know, and then I remember when Julian Edelman caught that ball, you know, and I just remember I saw the air go out of the bubble. You could see when, the, when they were watching the replay, the defensive back was watching it with Edelman. And you could see the shoulder pads shrunk and the whole yeah. just the, the air went out of the balloon. And as soon as I saw that, I knew I was like, we're going to win this football game. No matter what happens, I could tell right now they're done. And it's, and it's an incredible thing to watch. And, um, you know, so the and and that was that was definitely a, of all the celebrations. That was the one. And that was the one to me, even where people who didn't like the Patriots had to step back and go, OK, this is the greatest dynasty ever. And it is because. They've done it in the salary cap era, which is so much harder than the 49ers or the Steelers mm. or the Dolphins or the Cowboys or anybody else. 
to do what they've done for as long as they've done it. It's just obscene. It's so difficult. And, uh, you know, they, they deserve a lot of credit. And it's going to be fascinating to watch the two of them on their own now, Brady and Belichick. And, you know, hopefully we're going to get a good season here. And uh, I can't wait to see it. And I'll be rooting for both of them. I, what a great story that would be in the Super Bowl, but I wouldn't hold your breath. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't hold my breath for sure. They're definitely. And I'm, I don't understand this hatred towards Brady and the way he's gone to the Bucks and things. I mean, I'm not. Probably the same as yourself. We're we're not going to stand here and go, yeah, yeah. We look, no real Patriots fan will ever whatever. hate Tom Brady. Tom no, Brady's exactly. given you more joy in your yeah. entire life than most of your family members. Okay, so don't you know? Just if you're a real Patriots fan, you, you know you understand that this is what we do. We should have done it two years ago, theoretically. We yeah. rolled the dice. We got another ring. Rejoice! It was bound to happen eventually. And you know what? It's good. It's you got to turn the page eventually. And look, they got it. I mean, considering how it ended up, you've got an MVP guy who took a 15 and one team to the Super Bowl a few years ago. Yeah. So I mean, like, there's, there's worse starting quarterbacks in the NFL than Cam Newton right now. I would put him right kind of in the middle if I was ranking quarterbacks. But still, they, that you can win playoff games with Cam Newton. Heck, you might even be able to win a Super Bowl with Cam Newton. But we got to see how it all fits together, and it'll be fun and different. And uh, you know, it's not going to be the same. That's for sure. But you know, I'll just be happy when we uh, when we kick off, man. I'll get I'll tell you the truth. No preseason games and stuff like that. It's been tough, but it's it's gonna be nice to just have kickoff in a few weeks. Let me tell you. Yeah, exactly. I I, I for one can't wait, and I'm sure you can't wait either. And um, yeah, as you say, Cam Newton is getting pennies to you know compete for this year to maybe get the job for. And get another contract out of it, and and all said and done, as you say, he's getting less money than Teddy Bridgewater is, and that is an absolutely staggering thing to come out of one's mouth. I think. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, Joe, I think uh, you know, I've I've taken up enough of your time now, and uh, <laughs> thank you very much for doing this on a, a Saturday yeah, evening. Man. It's been an absolute pleasure and a blast, and you know, talking all sorts, whether it's the NFL, whether it's uh, wrestling, and that is two two great passions of mine. And you mentioned go, possibly going through a, a burning table up with the Bills Mafia. With your background, I'm sure you could take it. I could take. Uh, I could definitely take the table. I know exactly how to do it properly. I am a trained <laughs> professional, after all. But yeah, man, I uh, I appreciate coming on. It's fun to talk little pats, and I wish you the the best of luck with the podcast. And uh, shout out to everybody out there in the UK and in Scotland who's uh, watching NFL, man. And yeah, if you uh, if you're looking for the black book, you, link is on my Twitter right there to Amazon. Go get the fancy black book 2020. So uh, for Amazon, you can get the Kindle version as well. The Kindle version isn't as up isn't up to date because it locks, but the paperback is. Uh, but you can always get the cheat sheets as well, so that gets emailed out directly to you. And there's information how to get them uh, over there in the book on page three. And, uh, and you can check out the podcasts, uh, the Line Star DFS shows I do, the Sports Grid stuff I do. That's all. Uh, on the internet as well and you can see all the clips uh, on twitter at joe pisa ps17 thanks for having me man it's great to be here talking a little football man on the on a nice saturday afternoon here in the states for me yeah exactly <laughs> saturday afternoon for you saturday evening for me it's uh, time to go get some beers and play some xbox with my mates there we go now you're talking let's do it baby <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks again. And uh, everyone, folks, that was Joe Pisapia. And um, we'll maybe catch up again soon uh, towards the end of the season or something like that. We'll see how time is. Sounds good, brother. Cheers, man. Cheers. And there you have it, folks. And there you have it, Jake. That was Joe Pisapia. Um, the Fancy Black Book is out right now, as he said. And uh, 
this weekend only, he's run his annual St. Jude's Children's Fundraiser, uh, the Children's Hospital Fundraiser, uh, buy a black book from now until Sunday and $1 from every sale goes to help the kids at St. Jude's Children's Hospital. Um, hashtag Team Black Book on Twitter. And it's even got the updated RPV rankings as of the 8th of August. So, Jake, do you think that'll help you in your quest for a championship this season in fantasy? Well, I mean, I, I need all the help I can get. Um, so, yeah, definitely picking up that up. And uh, obviously, goes, a little bit of that goes to a good cause. So, yeah. Win-win for everyone. Exactly. But mainly me. Yeah, exactly. Just make sure... <laughs> Well, I would say don't like let anyone else know about the book, so then you've got an advantage, but then that's taken away from St. Jude's Hospital, I guess. So in this instance, I guess we better tell everyone about the book so they, yeah. every dollar can then be passed on to the, the good children that need it more than most, I guess. Exactly, exactly. So with that being said, I think that's the end of this episode, my friend. Um you are Jake Paul. I am Matt Inkster. You can find us at Pat's Chat UK on Twitter. Until next time, see ya. Bye.